I'm Andrew Green with this edition of Flick Pick. This past weekend, I saw Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning at Celebration Cinema in Benton Harbor. Mission Impossible is, of course, the seventh installment in the Mission Impossible film series starring Tom Cruise. In it, he plays Agent Ethan Hunt of the Impossible Missions Force, or IMF. They're the group that the government calls in to perform tasks that other government agencies couldn't accomplish. They're the last resort. They're top secret. No one must know about the kinds of things they do. So, I've always kind of liked the Mission Impossible series. I don't think I've seen every one of the movies, but I've generally enjoyed the ones I have seen, and I have to tell you, I think this is the best Mission Impossible movie I've seen yet. Yes, this movie was a blast, it's awesome, and Tom Cruise once again delivers. You know, say what you will about Tom Cruise, but the guy generally makes good films. I could probably count on one hand the number of bad movies he's been in, especially in the last 15-20 years or so, and with this new Mission Impossible, he gives us a spectacle that is a lot of fun to sit through. In this movie, Ethan Hunt and his merry gang have to track down the key to an artificial intelligence system that has the ability to destroy the entire world. Yup, this AI has gone rogue, and it has the ability to mess with everyone's technology throughout the movie. This creates some special challenges for Ethan's support crew, Luther, played by Ving Rhames, and Benji, played by Simon Pegg, as Ethan races all over the world to track down this key. Thrown into the mix are Haley Atwell as Grace, a pickpocket, whose character I really liked, and Vanessa Kirby, the White Widow, as this sort of crime queen pin. Several different entities are competing for the key in this movie, and once again, Ethan Hunt has to go rogue to get it. I have to say it does make his character more likable that he's sacrificing himself for the greater good. And yes, indeed, Tom Cruise sacrifices his own safety for the sake of this movie. You've heard about the crazy stunts that Tom Cruise is willing to do, and he delivers here. I had seen his motorcycle jump scene prior to actually seeing the film, but watching it on the big screen, it was pretty impressive. And exciting moments like that happen throughout this film. There's an extended sequence involving a train hanging over the edge of a bridge that I found enthralling, and there's a complicated chase sequence in an airport that kept me on the edge of my seat. But it's not just the stunts and the action sequences that make this movie work, it's also the characters which I've touched on. Benji and Luther are great sidekicks as always, and Rebecca Ferguson is back as Ilsa. As mentioned, I love the character of Grace the Pickpocket, and and Vanessa Kirby's White Widow is a really cool character. Throw in the villain Gabriel, played by Isai Morales, who's this charismatic, cool-as-a-cucumber psychopath, and you've got great stuff going on here. And it's not just all Tom Cruise looking cool. There's some humor in this movie. I especially appreciated a joke in which they pointed out that the IMF could easily be confused for the International Monetary Fund. And then there's the general sort of campiness about what's going on here, with some of the Mission Impossible tropes like putting on masks of other people, you know? The movie plays all that for fun, and director Christopher McQuarrie has managed to set the perfect kind of tone here. This movie is exciting when it needs to be, it's funny when it needs to be, and it takes time to explain its nearly overcomplicated plot when it has to. I'll admit I wasn't super excited to see this movie when I walked into it, but... When I walked out, I felt great. At a time when Hollywood keeps pumping out more $200 million movies, a lot of which are bombing these days, it's movies like Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning that remind me of why blockbuster movies exist. You know, not every film should be a two or $300 million CGI fest. Not even close to every film should be aiming for the stars with its box office totals. But sometimes there should be these blockbusters, these event pictures, these special experiences that come out only a few times per year. I think a big part of the reason why Hollywood has been struggling lately is that they are trying too hard to pump out too many of these blockbuster movies and not just focusing on the good ones like this. This is a movie that should be a big budgeted action-packed blockbuster. And I hope everyone goes to check it out. Heck, I can't wait to see the next one. I give Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 a 4.5 out of 5 for this edition of Flick Pick.
Okay, and on to the next movie. It's Insidious uh, 5. And keeping with my theme of being kind of surprised about how I felt about the movies I saw this past weekend, I had been expecting to really like the new Insidious movie, and in fact, I pretty much didn't. Insidious 5, or Insidious the Red Door, stars Ty Simpkins and Patrick Wilson as Dalton and Josh Lambert, the father and son who we got to know from the first two Insidious movies. When the son, Dalton, was a young boy, he had some experience with the Further, or a sort of nether realm, where people can travel to interact with the dead. This caused big problems for the Lambert family in the first Insidious movie. And now here we are like 10 years later or so and young Dalton is in college. However, a lot's happened since we last checked in with the Lambert family. The parents, played by Patrick Wilson and Rose Byrne, have divorced, and no one remembers anything from the first two pictures. Well, except for Rose Byrne. Well, young Dalton goes off to college, and he starts developing his artist skills, and things start to change about the whole not remembering what once happened thing. Like, both he and his father start experiencing strange things. It's like the spirits of the dead from the further are trying to reach out to them. Each one of them deals with a series of creepy scenes, until finally we figure out what's going on, and yada yada yada. So again, I have to go back to I was disappointed by this movie. I really liked the first three Insidious pictures, so I couldn't wait to get to the theater to check this thing out, but I gotta tell you, Insidious 5 is kind of boring. I mean, our two main characters are in totally different locations throughout, and we just kind of get repeated scenes of them experiencing the same creepy phenomena. And the movie spends a lot of time on the emotions of these characters, like the resentment that Dalton has for his father, and the father's own guilt for having neglected his son, and so forth. And a lot of this is relying on us remembering what happened in those first Insidious pictures, and frankly, I didn't remember it all that well. Thankfully, the movie does explain some of it to us, but this just felt like a kind of weak attempt to bring back what once was. The Insidious series kind of moved on from these characters, and yet here we are with them again, and what's happening isn't really all that exciting. I feel bad saying this because Patrick Wilson directed this movie, and I'll say, look, I like Patrick Wilson quite a lot as an actor, and I was rooting for him to be the director of this picture, but it's like he was trying to make it just as dramatic as it is scary, and then he filled it with repetitive scenes. Lin Shay does make a cameo in this movie in the most awkward way imaginable. And although I did kind of like the character of the son and his college roommate who he meets at one point, I found it a little jarring to be jumping back and forth between father and son here. This movie isn't really scary, and although it's got good characters, it just doesn't really know what to do with them. I won't spend a lot of time on this, I'll just say that Insidious 5 is a disappointment. I give Insidious the Red Door a 2 out of 5 for this edition of Flickpick. 